When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Still number one. Still number one. <laughs> and uh, hey, guys, welcome to episode number six of the Danny Button MMA show, only on Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host, Ty. Here at Ace Podcast Nation, we've got podcasts and channels, interviews, everything, all sorts of subjects. We've got a weekly football show, the Andy Campbell Show. We've got a, a very popular show at the moment, Unscripted and Uncensored, where you, the people, set the questions for the various guests. We released a new episode last week which, with uh, the UFC's newest sign-in, uh, Modestus Bukakaskas. I always mess up his name. Bless him. Oh, I apologize, Modestus. I always do it. Uh, we've also got uh, another new series coming next week or this week. Not sure, 100% on that yet. With uh, It's called My Story, and uh, that features former England fast bowler Chris Lewis in the first episode as well as plenty of other episodes and series to come. Today's show brought to you, as always, by Away Day Apparel. Away Day Apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people. Please visit their website, website awaydayapparel.co.uk. The, the links will be in the description. I highly recommend giving them a follow on Twitter, at Away Day Apparel, and Instagram, at Away Day underscore apparel. 2020 will be very interesting and exciting year for the brand, uh, especially for followers of Ace Podcast Nation. We've got a code for 10% off. You can put in the code at the till or the, the checkout. Uh, all in lowercase is AA Podcast Nation, and that'll get you 10% off all orders. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Uh, so today I'm joined by UK MMA legend, former Cage Warriors, featherweight champion, Mr. Danny Batten. Welcome, buddy. How are you? Hello, Si. Yeah, I'm very good. Another great weekend. 
he was. He was really interesting, really interesting. I wonder if we'll agree on uh, the on the main event and uh, what have you. But um, you know, there's uh, plenty plenty to talk about and go through some some uh, some brutal strikes, some good grappling, some decisions, maybe suspect or otherwise. Who knows? A new intro for the show as well, with some uh, some old footage of the champ himself. Yeah, um, and it's in colour still. How about that? I know, it's surprising. <laughs> isn't it? yeah. Not that long ago, mate. Come on. <laughs> Don't do yourself a disservice. It's not <laughs> that long ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just before we go into the the UFC 247 card, <clears throat> which will be the, the main aspect of the show, um, a couple of things I just wanted to touch on, really. Um, obviously, uh, Tom Mearns, who's one of the your fighters, is um, was scheduled to be on the Bellator Dublin card. I think it's March, isn't it? Um, That's right. But uh, we saw I saw yesterday um, Tom had done a, a, a couple of interviews to say he'd been removed from the card, uh, and he found out on Facebook, which is obviously you know it's not the best in terms of that. Um, yeah. But obviously, you'll be able to explain to us perhaps why and what's gone on a bit. Yeah, the bits and I mean, I know. Yeah, I mean, Tom. I was with Tom when he found out. He had stayed late at the gym with me, and um, it was about half eleven, quarter to twelve at night when um, he suddenly goes, "Oh, I'm, you know, my goodness, I'm not, I'm not matched up with with Logan anymore." I'm like, "What? You know, who's he got?" And and then I'm like, well, "You know, why do you think that is?" And he said, "Well, the only thing I could think of was they wanted." Um, to get a sign off from the doctor about what his weight was a week or two ago. And um, I'm like, okay, is that anything to do with the commission? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, well, anything the commission says you've got to do. And he goes, yeah, but I text him saying I'm all fit and well, I'm good to go. I'm like, you can't do that, Tom. You know, you've got to, you've got to let them know through the doctors and get it all signed off. Um, Cause he get, did get flagged up. Um, one other time when he fought on uh, on Bellator for gaining too much weight after weighing in. So I know now that on UFC and Bellator and these big events stateside, the commission now you like to weigh or have some aspect of what the athletes weigh in leading up to the fight, um, which I think is a good thing. Um, but I didn't know Tom had not handed in uh, his doctor's note. So that that's what it's come about. I, I was unaware of it until... You know, he explained that situation. Um, you know, obviously he didn't realise, you know, how serious that would be and how consequential that would be. Um, but he does now. <laughs> and um, mm. Yeah, so uh, as far as I'm aware, he could be fighting, uh, <laughs> but he won't be able to do it at featherweight. He'd have to do it at lightweight. But okay. I, other than that, I'm really, I'm in, really in the dark with it. Okay, so I mean, and just to clarify, he's not, he's not injured. Um, no, it's just this uh, this doctor's note. So there's still a chance, I yep. suppose, that they could find him an opponent at lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, has there been yeah. any kind of discussions or hints at anyone who, or like a potential opponent, or is it not that far down the line yet? Yeah, no. Other than what I've just told you, I I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, something had got mentioned about possibly fighting Logan on an, on another uh, Bellator. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, but at lightweight. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't know. It's all going to come out in the wash in the next number of days, I get, I'm guessing. Um, I was hoping to get hold of Tom today, but been unable to. 
uh, to see whether there was any updates. But it's Sunday, so you know it's family day, isn't it? So yeah, I um, yeah, maybe tomorrow. I actually I was looking forward to the fight. I thought um, it was a pretty good match up him and Logan to fight each other. So yeah, it'd be good if they could still do it at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it doesn't happen now, it could happen down the line still, I guess. But um, yeah, we just got to get a few things in place to make sure that this doesn't happen again. I mean, you know, everything's a learning curve, I guess. You know, Tom's still relatively inexperienced fighting on the, you know, on some of the biggest shows in the world. Um, you know, maybe we could put it down to that. Um, like I said, I wouldn't have let this happen if I was aware. Um, as far as I was concerned, everything was in place and was good to go. I, I was unaware he didn't hand any um, certification. You know, I could possibly get partially blamed for that, but I'm getting told it's all good. Um, and it turns out it wasn't all good. So what can you do? Yeah, I guess. This radio. Yeah, I mean, the, the last, I think, like I said to you, off air, like the last 18 months, particularly, uh, the UFC and Bellator in particular have been a lot stricter with the mm. amount of weight which is put back, you know, is being put back on afterwards and how much weight fighters are losing, how quickly they're doing it. Um, which, you know, overall and long term is a good thing, despite obviously both of us, I'm sure you mm. more than me, but I'm disappointed for him as well um, that he's looks to be taken off the card. Yeah, but you know, in the in the in the long term thinking, obviously, anything to do with keeping weight cuts safe is a good thing overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Tom's always been quite a big weight cutter, but he's also been extremely fit and healthy, so he was always able to deal with those big weight cuts. Um, but you know, things have changed. You know, the commission are there to keep the fighter safe and have a set protocol of. Um, of yeah, criteria the, to, to, to be put in place at different times and dates and you have to stick by them religiously um, and, and you know he didn't you know, he, he did everything else everything else was in place it was just that one thing that one issue yeah it's a shame but um, you know hopefully like I say it can be a learning curve and, and hopefully mm. you know it might work you never know with these things it's always uh, you never know at the time, what something will lead to, you know, he could, mm. could have another fight at lightweight or if, at, on a different card, yeah. you know, complete, completely destroy his opponent. And before you know it, end up with some, some sort of title shot. <laughs> and maybe it wouldn't have happened if he, you know, taken yeah. this fight or whatever. You just don't know in, in uh, yeah. this line of, line of business as it were. Yeah. Um, I'll just go with the flow. Indeed. Okay. So, UFC 247 was quite the card, um, particularly the two main events were obviously very big, big fights with, with some big names. Mm. Um, I just wanted to give a shout. We're going to focus on the main card, um, but I did just want to brief, briefly mention uh, a fighter called James Krause, who fought on the UFC 247 prelims. Uh, he took that fight on a day's notice. Um, he won fight of the night. He won 50. $50,000, which is, I'm really happy for him because to take a fight on 24 hours notice is not something that all fighters would do. Um, mm. Obviously, they're well within their rights to do so. Um, but it's, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that uh, and to perform the way that he did as well um, and the level that he did. Uh, he just, you know, he deserves that check. If, if anyone does, I think he does. 
So uh, yeah, yeah, much respect to not, him. Not not easy. I mean, I understand. You know, a lot of these top fighters are always in shape, um, and, and too good to go in some way. But nevertheless, a proper directed uh, fight camp is is the ultimate way you want to step in there. But for stepping up on a day's notice, yeah, fair play. You know, respect to him. What was the uh, the shortest fight? That you ever like shortest notice you've ever taken for a fight, either for uh, you or for a, for one of your fighters? Uh, I fought uh, uh, Maeda uh, in Japan on four days' notice. Um, it and uh, what was it? Uh, the weight out there was 63.9 their featherweight, and I was 74.8 or something four days Oof. before. Yeah, and um, I made weight and fought him. I you know he had been um. Uh, Pancras champion for about five years. You know, real dominant force out there. He was um, fighting on all the big, big promotions, not just Pancras. He was fighting on Pride, and yeah, he was a, it was a big name. Yeah, four days did well, went the distance, lost on decision, but to win out in Japan, unless you knock them out or submit them, yeah, you know, it's pretty yeah, hard man. to win on decision out there. Uh, but four good experience all the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take four days. Jeez, mm. and and. Not just like four days with no preparation, but to lose the weight and then go the distance. That's quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, with the flights having to be sorted the way there was, so I arrived on the way in morning. Um, and, you know, anyone who knows anything about long haul flights, um, they make you hold the water. It was not nice. You know, me and my manager, stroke coach, running around Tokyo. Um, trying to get the final few kilos off and trying to do interviews in between because it was such a big build fight being top of the top of the bill on the Pancras card fighting their champion. Yeah, so uh, yeah, doing interviews. Interesting. Um, going back for another run. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Good experience. That must have been an awesome experience. So Japan's on my um, bucket list of places that I want to go. I really, yeah. really want to go to Japan. Very, very crazy, strange people, but all in a positive way. Yeah, cool. So um, I say I say this all the time, guys. But if you see me looking off to the side, I'm not daydreaming. It's my <laughs> my other screen which I've got now, which has got all my details and stuff on. Uh, so overall thoughts, mate. What did you think of the UFC 247? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Some really interesting bouts. Um, yeah, there, there was a whole mixed bag of happenings. Um, it was a good one. Yeah, I think so. I um, I don't think it was quite as uh, exciting and explosive as the last couple we've had. We've been, you know, the last couple of cards, particularly the the main pay per view cards that we've had, have been very, very mm. good. Um, yeah. But they, I think, this one also wasn't as stacked uh, mm. in terms of names and talent as perhaps like that Uf- UFC two four five was yeah. stacked all from start, you know, from start to finish with big names. Yeah. Then you had Conor McGregor fighting. Um, and then that little, the, the card that we watched, the UFC rally card with where Brett Johns mm. fought, the card was, you know, it was very, um, it was a really exciting fights. So uh, this had a lot to compete with in terms of those. And I think it was by no means, uh, you know, boring or anything. I think it was very good. Some of the fights were excellent. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't quite as explosive as some of the other fights that we've seen recently. Um, so f- first up is uh, 
Derek Lewis versus uh, Ilya Latifi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This was uh, this was an interesting uh, little matchup. I, you know, you kind of kind of guess the strategies in play here. Latifi maybe wanting to put it to the ground, and and Lewis trying trying to keep it standing in some aspects. Um, yeah, and uh, it started out slow. I mean, these guys are, are big plodders and you know, don't bust them up. You know, regards their their work rate from start to finish, but they're exciting to watch nevertheless. No. These these big guys they don't have to land one one punch to start a chain reaction to what could be a finish. Um, but you know, one thing that impressed me from the get go was um, you know Derek Sluice's improvements with his striking. You know, timing of things, um, that lead leg head kick. Um, was technically really, really well done. The only thing that was perhaps lacking with it was a little bit of, you know, trying to prep it up a little bit, trying to disguise it in some way. He kind of just threw it out there. And, yeah. you know, Latifi's a shorter, stockier dude, so he was able to, you know, get the forearm on it. I mean, I wouldn't want to receive one of those kicks on the forearm time time again. No, Latifi no. did, and he, he blocked each and every one of them. But uh, they certainly give you the wow factor every time they fired up. Um if one of them hit home, it would have definitely been good night. Uh, but Latifi, he held in strong and held a really good tight form, and I, that was part, you know, partly good on Latifi's part, but also just a little lacking in terms of trying to set it up a little bit better for for Derek Luce. Although his striking is improving all the time, technically, he now needs to learn to play that game a little bit better to make those big kicks, those big punches land. Yeah, especially the, the size of him. If he can disguise, like that kick was pretty good, but if he can disguise it and he connects, you know, it's going to really do some damage uh, yeah. in terms of finishing the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when you look later on in the card, at some of Shevchenko's kicks and the way she disguises them, it means they do a lot more, um, you know, damage and they take the opponent by surprise a lot more. Yeah, but I was impressed with Derek Lewis. I got to say, um, and the one thing I noticed is Derek Lewis over the last year or so, particularly, it's normally first rounds he comes out throwing, and then after the, if he doesn't finish it in the first round, he looks completely his gas tank just looks empty for the yeah. rest of the fight, however long it goes. Um, yeah. Whereas I thought for the, you know, it went what. Well, what was the time? I haven't got it written down, but it went in, you know, into the third round. It went all the way, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Went yeah. All, sorry, I got confused. Went all the way. So, like, I thought his his gas tank held up really well. Um, he looked a little bit tired at the end, but when you compare that to previous fights, uh, mm. Derek Lewis, I thought looked very good. Um, yeah, there was just con- considerable size difference as well. So I thought yeah, there that was. he did take the strikes he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was a clear size advantage um, in, in the favour of Derek. Um, but, you know, Latifi, to give him credit, uh, you know, he knew he had to close the distance and get those under pummels, and he kept getting there quite often. In the first round, just couldn't get successful with it. You know, Derek was having to keep shrugging him off. Um, you know, Derek was always looking for that big shot. Mm. Latifi was always trying to look for that takedown, but didn't know how to go about it. I, I don't think he knew how to get him down in that first round. Um, and that was pretty, you know, what got set as a theme for that first round. You know, it was Derek throwing those bombs, Latifi trying to close the distance, keep him up against the fence, trying the odd takedown here and there. Um, and Derek was trying to get back out in the open to throw those big bombs again and, and those big impressive kicks. 
But things started to change around a little bit as you went into the second round. Um, Latifi started to control a little lower down on the body. He wasn't going upper body so much. He started getting those hips. And when you get those hips, you can start moving your feet around their feet. And he started getting around to the side rear of him and tripping him down. Um, and that started to change things a little bit because Derek, as much as he was going in with those jumping knees and those big overhands and those big head left kicks that he was doing, as much as that was impressive, he was getting crowded very, very quickly thereafter. So, you know, this was the, the, the playoff, really. Was Derek going to score that knockout or was Latifi going to get him down and maybe, you know, score that ground and pound on him? You know, that was what was making the, the bout really exciting in that second round. Latifi found a way to get it to the ground. Uh, Lewis, when he was on the feet, was always looking to finish. Um, and and that made, that's what made it exciting to watch for me. Yeah, it was. It was good. And uh, like like you say, the first round, Latifi, it was almost as if he just couldn't quite get his timing right with trying to get mm. to grips with Derek. But then that second yeah. round, uh, Lewis, he began with a big high switch kick. And then that seemed to wake Latifi up almost a little bit. Um, and he, like you said, like you mentioned, he had a, a couple of trips and stuff. Uh, he managed to get Lewis with some ground and pound as well. Although... Yeah. There was um, some weird stand-ups and stuff in this show. Um, yeah. Throughout the show, there was what really, I don't know if it was this fight or it was one of the later fights, but there was one where they were stood up, kind of grappling yeah. position, and he broke yeah, them yeah. up. And that was in another strange. bout. Yeah, yeah. And this one, I think, I think it was pretty good. Um, you know, Latifi yeah. was a little bit in- inactive, to be fair. He was scoring, you know, takedowns, getting reasonable positions to try and be proactive for submissions or, or some ground and pound. And he wasn't doing that. I think he was more looking for a breather, just trying to consume some minutes on the ground in a winning position to try and take the round that way. Um, but the ref was having none of it and stood him no. up and rightly so, I believe. Um, and I think that's what made it such a good bout, especially from the second round through to the third round. I think it was really good to watch, all for the fact that Lewis wanted to put it away on the feet and, and Latifi was more looking like he was wanting to try to you know, survive. Uh, more than anything else, and, and maybe try to nip those rounds with the takedowns. Yeah, uh, Latifi never never looked like he was trying to finish the fight, did he? He did look as no. if he was trying to secure the round by taking him down, and like you say, wasn't really progressing from the takedown, mm. whether it be a submission or like further in that ground and pound. Um, yeah, I was. I gotta say, I enjoyed particularly the, the last two rounds. But I was quite impressed with Lewis um, just because I've watched a lot of his fights over the last couple of years. And I mm. feel like he improves every time. Like I agree. And I feel yeah. like, again, he's shown a greater conditioning. I've shown, Like you mentioned, his strikes were a lot crisper and technically more correct. Yeah. Um, so... I think he's got the ability to keep pushing on and pushing it. And it'd be interesting to see when he adds in these little things that you've mentioned to his yeah. game. And if he can keep the conditioning and the stamina that he showed in this fight, it'd be interesting to see how far he can go because I do, you know, he's got the power. There's no doubt. You yeah. know, we've seen that, seen him lift people off their feet with strikes. So yeah, he's clearly working hard is what I'm getting at. You know, he's, he's not yeah. settling for, those big KO wins, 
and then losing the big fight and then going mm. away, beating some more people. He's clearly working hard at his game to improve oh, all yeah. aspects of it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, his um, takedown defense is, is looking more solid, although we did see him get taken down. He, he, he was, um, you know, so much more often looking like he can get up off his back and get back to standing, which, again, he did do at odd times. There were some times he was settling on his back for a little bit of a breather. But being big guys, you can be forgiven to that for a point, to a point. Um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, as Derek evolves, I think you're going to see um, more setups with his strikes because clearly he's got a good camp that are moving him forward. Um, and I just think you're going to see some, some KOs that are not so much just throwing something out there and hoping it lands. I think it's going to be set up more as, as you see in progress. Yeah. And, um, you know, and who knows, you know, you might even see him choose to put people on their back as well. Um, you might see him, you know, improve with the wrestling aspects in terms of, of actually being aggressive with the takedown and um, getting some ground up. Cause I imagine he'd be a pretty devastating ground a pounder if he could uh, just sort out that wrestling oh, yeah. a little bit more. Well, you you think that if he could get you know a good ground and pound position, there ain't many people going to be able to get a guy his size off him. Yeah, um, he's a big dude. Yes, and even in the end of the very end of the fight, you know, he was swinging quite wildly at Latifi in those final moments. So yeah. it shows that even right up to the end, he did not want to settle for the decision. He was trying to finish the fight, yeah, and he had yeah. some more left in the tank as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always, I wasn't sure how the judging, you know, one thing we've, we are learning is that you just can't tell how the judges are judging things anymore. No, God, no. And they are doing a new scoring method now, aren't they, where they're putting in more 10 eights and what have you. But, you know, the Tifo, as much as he was scoring some takedowns, which I think in times previous would have secured him winning rounds, I think yeah. the fact that he was so in inactive on top, um, you know, st stopped him from, from winning those rounds. Uh, every time Derek got up on the feet, you know, he was gunning for the finish. Um, and, I, and I think that's why things started to go in his favour in terms of the judging. Um, yeah, do you think... Um, do you think that Latifi would have won the second round maybe a year ago? Uh, in, yeah. Just from the, 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 the takedowns and stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, time's gone past... Quite, quite possibly you would have seen that result going Latifi's way, you know, because of those takedowns. But absolutely, look, if, you know, if you're going to do a takedown, you're going to be in a proactive potential position and then you've got to be proactive, re-aggressive. Um, yeah. You know, you can't be in a dominant position to do anything. That's like backing up against someone to the fence, um, you and know, because you stalk them down with the strikes and then not actually deliver a strike. It's yeah. going to be frustrating um, to watch. Yeah, so, you know, I was impressed with Latifi's ability to, to get it to the map, but I wasn't impressed with his work ethic when he got in there. Maybe he was just so scared to get uh, to let Derek up again and wanted to hold him there a little bit more. But, yeah, that went against him, um, you know, in that second or third round. Although he had more success, it wasn't success enough in terms of trying to do any kind of damage. Um, Derek was throwing that head kick up. He was doing those jumping knees time and time again, and he was throwing those big bombs in, in, in the form of his hands. Always wanted to put it away, and I think that's why he got the nod with the judges. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so my guys and my friends are at Fightful, uh, which are actually right. modelling their T-shirt today. Um, right. They had this score as 29-28 for Latifi. 
Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, uh, the judges had it at 29, 28, 29, 28, 29, 28. I didn't score yeah. this one. Um, right. So I was interested by that because, you know, the guys who do that, they, they do know their stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, it made me think, oh, maybe, maybe I saw the fight wrong. But like everything which you've said is pretty much how I had seen it. So yeah. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. Yeah. Every time. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's just the way I saw the fight. I, I just think, you know, fights are all about getting good positions and being aggressive with them, whether it's on the feet striking, whether it's on the fence, um, putting them there back up against the fence and being aggressive there, trying the takedowns, slams, um, strikes up against the clinch like Randy Couture did. I mean, Randy Couture didn't have to take people down. He just literally beat them against the fence. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, you know, these advantageous positions have to be exploited in the form of some form of aggression. Um, it doesn't have to always be strikes. It can be submission orientated. Um, but, you know, being on top, uh, being stuck in some form of guard, which he was, it was in half guard mostly, uh, you need to start striking from there. You have a pass yeah, yeah, and go for submissions or, or you start striking. And um, the striking was not, not, not exactly, you know, Yeah, he, he, he got good... There. He got good positions, but he didn't utilize them enough when he did. No, no. Um, so next, next up, we had um, Mirsad Bekcic. I always pronounce these people's names. I and uh, Dan Dan Eag. Um, yeah, yeah. This was a really good fight. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Dan was really impressing me from the get go. Um, he, you know, he has been powerful. He was. Um, um, precise, sharp, you know, really looking good. Um, Takedowns like, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like everything was um, in place and looking really positive for him. Um, you know, I, I just thought, crikey, this is going to be much of the same going into to the next round, starting off so well, and he looked so fresh as well. Um, um, so I do, he, he looked a little bit tentative and like he was struggling to find his range, uh, his timing. You know, what caused that? Who who would know what caused that? But, um, you know, maybe just because he got clipped very, very early on, it just knocked his confidence. But, you know, as much as Dan had a great first round, uh, the second round, it, it, it totally went went away from him. So he suddenly didn't have his timing so well down. Although he, the thing that impressed me with Dan was, um, you know, his clinch and then, his uppercuts in the clinch and uppercuts as he broke from the clinch. I mean, any one of them could have put put the fight to bed. It really could. That, yeah. that part of it really impressed me. But it's so strange how he started so well and yet seemed to have lost his timing in that second and third round. And he seemed to just taper off, whether it was a bit of fatigue. Um, I don't know what it was. It, it, I don't know whether to, to think whether it was Dan's fault the fight began to slip as the rounds went on. Or whether it's the fact that you know, so I just you shook off any of the rust or any of the issues he had in that first round, and it was the fact that he just upped, upped his game. But um, yeah, it, could be. it was the wrestling. The wrestling was what began to tell tale, wasn't it? The fact that he was scoring mm. those takedowns and wearing on Dan. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the first round. Uh, Dan did so much uh, into his striking takedowns, you know, mm. kicks and. He did a lot of good stuff and maybe a little bit of fatigue slept in that second round. 
um, you'd you'd think you know at this level, most fighters, if they have a bad start in round one, they will come out in the second round looking a bit, you know, with a bit more about them and a bit sharper and yeah. a bit more yeah. determined. And I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, see, I had Dan win in the first round, ten yeah. nine, um, and then Betchick Betchick win in the second round, ten nine, and then I had Dan. I go in in the third round, um, but I know uh, some people on social media thought that uh, Masad Bechic won the third round. What did you have it for the third round? Uh, Yeah, I had I had Masad winning the third round as well. Um, You know, he he, he was he was getting those takedowns, Um, and 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 I think I didn't like the choice of Dan's uh, defense. Um, when he was getting shot uh, shot in on the single leg and, and, and the doubles, um, he was choosing to reach around his waist and try and reach for the clutch rather than, you know, push the head when it's to the outside. I think when the head's to the outside, you need to stop the transitions. Um, but he kept reaching yeah. for something that he couldn't, couldn't actually get a reach for. He could, couldn't clasp yeah. his hands together to get that crutch hold. And, and so Massad started running his head up high, threatening the back take um, and, and re-engaging the arms to leg takedown. Um, and, and that's why I edged it for Masada in that third round. Um, he was just getting the transitions. He, he made me, it made it look like Dan was, you know, always fighting out of a sticky situation. Um, you know, I'd yeah. have to have a look at it again. Um, what, why did you, you know, what, what was your view on why you would give it to Dan in that third? Um, I just felt like he began for, he began the third round with a, a few sh- strikes and then uh he hit him with like an overhand right and then yep. they kind of had like a brief striking exchange mm-hmm. um Becic went for the legs and had him against the wall but then yep. i think just after that i felt i felt like um i sort of caught him with a couple of elbow strikes and i felt yep. like out of the two of them i felt like i did a bit more damage than right. what Mizard did in that third round, but obviously yeah. it's not always scored now on damage, is it? It's it's about pressure. Yeah, they're, and... tr- yeah, they're, they're including a lot of aspects in, which so they should. I think um, it makes it interesting. Yeah. He also hit him with um, a really nice uh, kick to the to the like to the gut um, yes. towards the end of the, fight, which I thought looked extremely mm. painful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just looking through uh, this third round now, just trying to, you know, recap on other points. So I, I think, that, you know, he's winning. Yeah, look, Massad was, he just kept on tying him up all the time and, and making yeah. Dan have to defend um, pretty much from the get-go. And Dan was definitely chasing with the harder strikes, um, you, know, you know, possibly trying to, you know, put it away. Um, I wasn't too impressed with massage striking. Some some of the no. strike choices he was doing was a little bit off. Um, also, a lot of fingers pointing out. I don't know if you noticed that. He had his hands out straight quite a lot. I'm surprised he didn't get warnings for that. Um, John Jones got but, three warnings, didn't he? Or two warnings yeah, straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, to me, it's just the, the, the wrestling. Massad just kept getting in there and, and making Dan have to play, you know, countering out of those positions yeah. more than he was being aggressive in those defending positions. Uh, but I can see why, you know, you, you would say that Dan won. I, I totally get your point. 
Um, it's, a, it's a very, very close uh, third round, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was not a, a whitewash on any front. But I just think those takedowns, and he just looked like he was grinding down on him a little bit. Yeah, it, um, it's a strange fight in some ways. Like Because Dan Ig looks so impressive in the first mm. round. And then, like you said, Bush, but, uh, Bekcik kind of grounded him ground him down in the, the, the yeah. latter two rounds. And I yeah. think if it had been like a five-fight round, a uh, five-fight, five-round fight, Mursad um, yeah. Bekcik would have probably just ground him down into submission or a TKO. Yeah. I don't know about a TKO because his striking was odd. Um, but he would have probably ground him down into a, a submission or certainly yeah. a, a, comf- a comfortable victory on the decision. But sure. it was three, round, three rounds. Um, yeah. So the judges yeah, had a, that... a split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to like, like I said, it was so close. I can't understand why it was a split. But I think the thing what finally edged it for me and, and would have done for for majority of the judges was, you know, in that last minute, Masad uh, shot in and it looked like it was all going to go peep tong for him. Because Dan started stepping yeah. over, he had his arm trapped in local position, but he slipped off, didn't he? He slipped off from that potential mount position and ended up underneath. And then, as mm. they exchange out of there, uh, Massad got the top position momentarily, um, and they got back to the feet. But Massad was on on Dan's back, and I think you know that last impression was what the judges probably scored it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it went into the last thirty seconds with Masad on top, threatening guillotines and and arm, other arming potential chokes. Uh, I think that's what just nailed it, really. So, were you surprised that they gave? Uh, so it was twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty nine, twenty eight to Dan Ig. Were yeah. you very surprised that obviously what you've just said there with the lasting impression of that final round that they didn't yeah. go? The other way, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'd say it's all down to what happened in the, that last couple mm. of minutes of that last round. Yeah, because often um, when it's a close fight like that, the judges will go on the kind of latter rounds when they score, or it seems as if they do, mm. um, at least. But it's a good fight. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was like, a really good fight. Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to see. More good Go things to come from above. So, yeah, I think maybe Dan Ig will just—I don't know whether he needs to maybe manage his, his kind of output a little bit better in that that early round, um, yeah. or maybe may, you know maybe Mursad Bechic just you know got himself together and you know he's no yeah. no mug. Yeah, so I, I don't know what made things change. Like this is what I was saying at the beginning. I'm not too sure whether it was just Massad stepped his game up or whether Dan tapered off or maybe a tiny bit of both. But Dan looks yeah. like he was going to be unstoppable in that first round. It's like oh that this is round, he did, yeah it's going to be more of the same thing. Um but it didn't you know Massad started looking better and uh, Dan was looking you know, not quite so good. Uh, but that's what made it a great bout to watch. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch. I got to say, mm. I, uh, enjoyed it a lot. Um, so just waiting for my page to load. Uh, but next up was uh, Juan Adams versus Justin Taffer. Um, the first thing I will say about this fight before we go into the actual fight, 
is um, I didn't think this fight should be on the main card. Okay. Um, I yeah. thought it should have been a pre should thought it should have been a prelim fight. Um, I think it was probably only on the main card because uh, Juan Adams is from Texas, and yeah. I know they think a lot of Justin Taffer as well. So yeah, maybe they wanted to give him a bit of exposure on a on a main card. Um, yeah, but I did think this was probably a a prelim fight. In all honesty, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's still enjoyable. For when it lasted, yeah, it wasn't long. Yeah, it didn't. It, it didn't. I mean, what can you say about this one? Yeah, it just didn't last minute, long. Minute fifty-nine. Yeah, it, it was all over so quick. Um, you know, once someone starts a roller coasting um, in an advantage and they get a taste for the kill, it can be over very quickly in terms of a submission or ground and pound, or or, or you know, if you catch someone on the feet early. Um, you know, we've seen it all all too often in UFC, Bellator, any of these big mainline shows, you know, you get the, the taste that you might win. It's time to, you know, go balls out. And that's what happened yeah. in this one. Oh, yeah. Um, there's not a lot to mention about it. I mean, it was just, you know, too quick to look into it in any heavy technical way. We just didn't get to see what might have played out yeah. strategically between them both. Yeah, it's half a quarter, about 30 seconds, I think, before he caught in with the uppercut and the finish. He caught yeah. him with a couple of lefts, and uh, yeah, uh, they really rock. You could tell they rocked him because he's you yeah, know, his body tensed up and he didn't look steady on his feet. And then when he's uh, when Tafford come in and dropped him with a pair of rights, the second one in particular, the uppercut was yeah, brutal right on the button. It was yeah, and he did not know where he was. No, I mean the the, the guy was fresh throwing hard hard shots, so. Ouch! His striking looks quite good, Taffer. Yeah, you can you can see why they like him. Um, he comes from a you know a long line of fighters in his family, um, mm. and you can see why the UFC likes him. Obviously, with Mark Hunt now gone as well, um, yeah. it gives him that kind of another big New Zealander to yeah uh, market. And you can you know I can see why they would have wanted him on this card too. To get him some exposure to the, you know, to the, to the people around the world, um, yeah, probably a prelim fight for me, but I can't knock him. It was he did what he had to do, and he yeah, did yeah, it impressively. You can only beat what you got in front of you. I mean, the other guy's a, I mean, a massive dude. He's he is big dude, isn't he? Very, very big dude. Um, you know, but you know, he, he he put him out. He did it really in in dominant fashion. Um, I'm sure in his mind and with his camp, they just want to forget that now. And they're just saying, hey, next, what's what's next? You know, set yeah. me up for the next one. Let's move up. Yeah, I'd be interested now because because they put him on the main card and he's won so impressively. It almost seems unfair if they move him back onto the prelims or not back on, but like onto the prelims mm. for his next yeah, yeah. fight. Like. But then I suppose he could main event the prelims, I suppose, in his next fight. But I'd be—I will keep a, a very close eye on him because I thought that I saw enough in that short time from his striking yeah. to to know that he's going to be an exciting fighter to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, he's going to be someone who's going to go for the kill. Yeah, there's no two ways about that. Um, he's got power, precision, and he's really compact. Uh, so lethal combination combination in that division. Get him and uh, yeah, him and Derek. Derek together would be good. You know what? That that's 
that would be a good one, you know. Just yeah. try and knock each other out for yes. three rounds. <laughs> be good. I like the sound I of that. Whether that. I don't know whether that would go three rounds, them too, you know. No, I'm not no, too sure it would even go that far. Someone's got going to feel sleep. That, yeah, and I got <laughs> a feeling that um, I don't think Dana wants to put Taffer against Derek Lewis at the moment. I not think yet, um, no. think he'll get a couple more uh, kind of journeymen or or like people mm. he should beat so they can build him yeah, up yeah. a bit. Yeah, but uh, and that's yeah, that's fair enough, isn't it? It's, yeah, absolutely, nothing wrong with that. I feel like sometimes the UFC hasn't done that enough in that they don't always protect their potential top stars, like people that's who it. could be stars, and they throw them into the wolves. Yeah. Instead of letting them build a bit of confidence and build some yeah. fights and build a name for themselves, I think you know, it's look good at what to build up Johnny Walker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. I think it's good to build up a little bit of a profile on the fighters, build up a little bit of a storyline. Um, yeah. You know, and if they keep getting wins, build up a, a bit of invincibility between two two people. And then, and then you can't wait to see who's going to win. It's like, um, you know, having two superhero comics and uh, and then you combine them both to see who would win out the yeah. two superheroes. It's a little bit like that, isn't it? I think this is yeah. why Conor McGregor was such a sensation he was, he was just beating people that people thought he wouldn't beat and he was doing it in such dominant fashion and then when someone else come along that was beating everybody and then they get to match up that's what makes it so exciting to watch yeah oh damn right and um mm. the thing is is like the two things that I, th- I think sell the most in the ufc in terms of getting people emotionally invested in fighters mm. is undefeated streaks yeah. and um, I've completely forgotten the other one now. I had two, but undefeated <laughs> um, <laughs> streaks and something else. It was a good yeah, point. I, I sure. th- there, there's numerous things that can make for an exciting bout. Like, um, you know, what w- w- was really interesting was like, say, Ben Askren versus uh, Meyer, Damian Meyer. Yeah, and yeah. You, you got one guy who's obviously an incredible wrestler with really unorthodox ground that seems to seem to spoil so many good grapplers' games. And then Damian Mars, second to no one on the ground, you know, very one dimensional. But in that one di- dimension that you know, he, he rules in, he really is super dominant. Yeah. He can just sometimes struggle getting there, particularly because he's, you know, not young, not young Philly anymore. No, um, he's not. You know, so that for me, that way, they had some really interesting ground exchanges, you know, but, you know, you play on the ground too much with Damian Meyer, um, you know, you get defeated when that, when that happened in the end. Oh, yeah. So, you know, in terms of ground aspects, two totally different ground stylists, that can make exciting matches. And then you can have your bangers. You know, you're going to get two people who are not going to hunt for a takedown. They're going to try and take each other's legs and heads off. And they can make exciting bouts. And, of course, then you get the storyline type of bouts, which, you know, Conor McGregor and Jesse Elder, both so dominant. Um, and then that they eventually going to be locking horns. And, and look how that ended. You know, someone was always going to get knocked out. Um, so you know, th- those bouts can can generate so much interest, as we've seen. Oh, animosity, that was the other thing I was going to say. Yeah. Like, yeah when there's a story that bit of, for bit of needle, bit of animosity that always yeah. um, add, adds to the, to the particularly casual fans who only tune in for the big fights and the big cards. Yeah. They're the ones which you're trying to kind of get because you've got like a hardcore fan base who are going to watch every pay-per-view and every card. Yeah. And then you've got the people who tune in to watch Conor McGregor or yeah, 
you know, the, you know, uh, John Jones mm. or whoever it may be. Mm. And then um, yep. UFC needs to create some more stars like that. And you do that by having them win. And you do that yep. by having animosity and whatnot. Um, so why John Jones and uh, Daniel Cormier sold so many pay-per-views because there was yep. animosity there. They were also the two absolute best in their particular weights at the time. Sure. Clash of the Titans, as it were. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to the card. Two main events coming up. And uh, the first one, I was going to say, in my opinion, fight of the night, but I don't think it was. Um, at the time, I thought it was fight of the night. And then I watched John Jones and uh, <laughs> Damien uh, Reyes. Uh, Shev, Valentina Shevchenko, the champion, defended against Caitlin Chikagian uh, yes. for the UFC Flyweight Championship. Mm. Shevchenko is a beast. Yeah, so patient constantly making what seems to be almost predetermined perfect decisions um, and everything she throws punches kicks or knees is just done with so much vigor um, so much venom behind it you know everyone is a potential stopper um, but so patient as well it's like it's like she's a cold spring that just knows when it's just going to unload everything every punch elbow knee um, the spinning back fist, uh, spinning kicks. Beautiful. Uh, it's so precise. I mean, there was, you know, when I say about Derek Luce throws things out there in hope that they land, great technique on some of those strikes that he threw. But this is not only just clinical technique, but precision and setup. Um, just seems to know things are going to land. Really, really, uh, you know, so dominant. So, so dominant. So um, quick, like every time Ch Chikagian uh, tried to push forward and hit her with some strikes, uh, Shevchenko just nailed her with a couple of quick shots or a kick yeah. or like she, she wrecked her, I think it was her left leg, just yeah. with low kicks, just precision, yeah, yeah. same point of the leg every time, just bang, bang, sure. bang. And you could see the bruising up her leg. And then yeah. that was influencing... Chikagian's decisions because she couldn't quite get the the kind of the lift off or the the, the pressure through her left left leg, um, yeah. And there was one, uh, I think it was a wheel kick in the middle rounds, um, which mm. was like so picture perfect. And I thought mm -hmm. Chikagian did really well to take it because it hit yeah. a flush on the chin. And yeah, she it didn't. hit with the flat of the foot. I, I think those kicks are served best where you, you, you bring it around with the heel. Mm. Um, it's almost like a, a sparring version where you do it with the flat of the foot. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a difference between being slapped around the face and punched in the face. Yeah, um, you know, if you did it with the heel, it would have been more, much more devastating. But you know, let's not take anything away. You know, to make something like that land, um, you know, it, it's impressive. It's and you'll be, to be able to perform the kick and stay on balance is pretty mm. impressive. But to make it a land at, and at this level, bearing in mind this, you know, this girl was tall and really rangy. You know, and, and talking about the range, you know, she just seems to find a range so very early on, but it's never in a rush to do so. She's just really tight with her form and she's patient. She assesses everything. She's seeing how they move forward, how they retract back. How many steps to the left? How many steps to the right? She's assessing everything. 
she, you know, she's, um, you know, she's like a piece of AI hardware. She's monitoring everything and, and finding ways to defeat you by watching what you do. Um, but um, Shikokugan, I think I said, yes, pronounce her name. I don't know how we're going to agree to pronounce her name. She, um, she, she had a lot of range. She's tall, but she just didn't know how to make her range land. She just didn't know the distance of her strikes. Um, so she was flicking hands out, flicking feet out at her, but with nothing that was ever going to be consequential, nothing to make Shotenko second guess anything that she might have wanted to do. She just didn't pose her any problems. Um, I think potentially she could have done because there was opposite stances. I think opposite stances and the fact that you're longer, if you can just get your footwork and step outside that lead leg, you know, it's all for you having the longer reach uh, to, to make things work for you but she just didn't and um, whether she just didn't know how to or whether just that fear of power from Shvenko stopped her from finding her way yeah I just felt too too much hit in thin air yeah a lot of her strikes kind of didn't seem like they had any power behind them whereas Shevchenko's strikes not only looked like they had everything behind them yeah Technically, the power was there, but also yeah. Shevchenko seems to be able to. She doesn't stick to one type of kick or one type of punch, and mm. you know she doesn't just sit behind a jab or mm. low kicks. She she varied that up, and she did so many different kicks, yeah, um, just throughout the fight, and not necessarily always flashy, you know, spinning kicks. Mm-hmm. There was some front kicks and kicks to the gut and kicks to the sure. chest just to keep the distance or to get her where she wants to, yeah, to yeah, nail yeah. a more significant strike. Yeah, yeah, she's totally mixing it up and it just goes to show how comfortable she was in there to, to throw such a variety and, and to be so high percentage in landing it. Um, just goes to show you that she, she was really not feeling under threat. It was like mm-hmm. a, a heavy sparring session uh, where you just bring a sparring partner in to take a bit of a battering. That's how it began to look. But, you know, coming up to the last minute of the round, you know, it got to the ground to perhaps change the theme a little bit. Um, but really, uh, again, you know, just looked like the girl just didn't have any answers there, just couldn't prep anything up, just couldn't get her guard going. She's got these really long legs that she just couldn't make use of. Um, and you can only but compliment Shevchenko for, for spoiling her, um, not allowing her physicality to have any play on any of the rounds. Yeah, so the third round started and um, Shevchenko pushes forward, hits some leg kicks. Uh, Chikagian goes for a high kick and lands a couple, but then Shevchenko scores a takedown because uh, Chikagian tries to... I think she got a leg. Shevchenko caught her leg, I think. And then she tried to to, um, pull guard and... Uh, Shevchenko just adjusted so quickly that she had yeah. her in a crucifix all locked up in yeah, seconds yeah. and oh, then yeah. she's just you know she, she, no referee Shevchenko, is going to allow her to she always hunts for that she hunts for that crucifix position um, you know really these girls should be a little bit more prepared um, that, mm. you know, if they do get taken down put into side control position to know that this is going to be coming um, so that they, they shouldn't be getting caught in it so easily when they know it's a big go-to. I mean, not only is it a go-to, it's, it's, it's a practical TKO position every time. 
It's one of the yeah, hardest positions to escape from. You can't get your elbows underneath the side of your body to be able to turn away or turn in to get to a turtle position to even begin to think about escaping. Both arms are put out of commission. It's like being put in a straitjacket. You, you just can't get your arms free to get any body move, momentum going. Um, yeah, I mean, had I been sticking a female fighter of my own in there against her, um, you know, I'd like to think that I'd be preparing her for situations such as that, being that we've seen it time and time again. She loves that crucifix position. You know, it, it, it's not rocket science to, to, to avoid it, but getting put into it that quick was maybe a little bit, little bit of lacking of prep in the camp. But I don't think it mattered what was going to happen. You know, I think if she did no. find a way out of that, she was going to be put into something else. Um, and if not on the ground, it was going to be, you know, curtains on the feet somewhere down the line. Um, yeah, what can it was you do? almost like we were waiting for it to finish, wasn't it? it yeah, was, yeah. Uh... It, it was only ever going one way. It never, never looked like the the girl wasn't throwing anything with any ferocity to look like she might even get lucky in, in the fight. Um, and on the ground, she wasn't getting anywhere near even prepping a sweep or prepping a submission to look like on the ground she was going to get anything that, that was going to be fortunate in her way. Um, very, very dominant performance. Indeed. Um, the, the crucifix as well was locked up so tight that mm. any hope she had of getting out of it dissipated, dissipated yeah. very quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, she just, it's just locked, a, locked know, up a, her arms and pounded her. Her takedowns are just beautiful to watch. They're just so sure-footed. You know, when when she tried to jump guard and she released, I mean, what a great choice and decision to then trip the legs because the legs were so close. I mean, yep. I, okay, great so thinking. she wanted it. She wanted it to the ground because she was trying to jump guard. But hey, no, that's not just let her jump guard. Let's make her put her feet back down. Let, let me at least score the takedown if you want me to go down in your guard. I mean, it was just it's just genius, it's just clever a, a decision making. Yeah, she's got extremely good fight IQ along with that a God-given body in terms of a strength and explosivity. But a, a fight IQ is just incredible. It really is. It's, it's hard to to know really where she goes. Well, I'll say half. I know how I would like it to be now. But um, there's really no one else out there to fight other than one person, which you know we could discuss later. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Well, let's do it slightly different. We'll do the quick questions because uh, we'll do the one question which relates to this. Um, yeah. So one of the questions which we had sent in was, uh, who does Shevchenko fight next? Because she has yeah. literally defeated everyone in her path, apart from one lady. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, well, it has to be that Nunes. Um, Nunes is dominant over two weight divisions. Um, and obviously been dominant in her own right. Um this is, you know, she's lost twice to Nunes um, in 2016 yep. and 2017. Um, but, you know, she was less experienced then, not, not, not as good as she is now. Um, I think she's reached her peak right as we speak. Um, you know, I, I, normally you wouldn't want to see a fight a third time when they've lost twice, but this one I would want to see a third time. Uh, I, I want to know how they would deal with each other. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be, be interesting. Be, that's going to create a lot of attention. That one, if that happens, and I think that's all that the series left. To be fair, yeah, I think I think um, I'd like to see the third fight because um, since the two thousand and eighteen, I think you said was it the last one? Yeah, sixteen um, and seventeen. 
2017, Shevchenko's been on a tear, destroying everyone, as has Nunes. So it'd be interesting to see if there's any difference in... It was a close fight anyway. So it'd be interesting to see if Shevchenko could push on in that third fight. Yeah, sure. Uh, But in fairness to her, when they asked her who she'd like to fight next, she just said, um, basically, I want to fight everyone and beat everyone. And just basically basically said, keep them coming. And yeah, I'll yeah. keep beating them. She's enjoying sure. herself in there. You know, she's coming out relatively unscathed. Um, you know, she's knocking up these wins. She's building up a bank account and she's creating a legacy. So, yeah, fair play to her. Nice lady. Really impressed with her overall fight IQ. Obviously, a great camp that's behind her that's helping produce her. Um, yeah, I just want to see it tested a little bit more now because the last number of bouts I've seen her in, she's not been tested at all. No. Um, you know, and there's women who will take the fights, isn't there? You know, there's always so, yeah. most fighters fancy themselves to win a fight on any given day, so sure. it, they won't be short of people wanting mm. the fight. It's just a yeah. case of finding someone who can test her, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay, next up, the main event of the evening, yeah. You uh, have light, light heavyweight championship. Uh, yes. John Jones, the champion, versus number four ranked Dominic Reyes. Yeah, wow, this started out with explosions. Um, yeah, it, it was an incredible first round and did exactly what I perhaps thought he was going to do. Maybe not so effective, but Dominic come out and he, he was throwing hard and throwing often. He was uh, being diverse with his strikes, switching his footwork up and staying off centre line, which I know he discussed that. You know, it was really important for him. Um, really good strategy, really, really good game plan. Come out with a really um, hard cross hand, didn't he? Right from the get go, um, and then went with a uh, um, a body cross uh, as well. It, uh, that that feels, I think, to stop Jones maybe threatening to come in for a clinch. Um, I know that when we do our training, you know, we do a cross body punch. Because not only is it a good punch in its own right, but it kind of interferes with anyone trying to engage any kind of grappling. Um, yeah, it, it's just full of action. Um, it was hard to write down notes because it was one thing after another. I, I nearly ran out of ink, you know, in the first round, mm-hmm. writing down so many, so many good points that Dominic was going to be doing. And all I kept writing down was Dominic doing this, Dominic doing that. You know, Jones yeah. was just showing good composure. Um, he was not getting flustered, which was incredible. Um, he was getting hit with so many, or getting thrown at with so many different diverse um, angles and strikes. But he just seems to stay calm, no matter what. He just don't change. And yeah, that's what was impressing me about I, Jones. Yeah, yeah, he's just so still and so calm. There was one point mm. where I thought, oh, he's rocked him, um, and you know, within I'd say ten to fifteen seconds, John yeah. Jones has completely regained his composure. If he yeah. ever lost it, and he's yeah. just—he's yeah. unbelievable. He seems, he's, um, he seems so hard to hit, and even when you do get something off, it's never super super clean. Yeah, you might ruffle his feathers, but for the smallest duration, certainly not enough to capitalize and, and follow up with anything. Um, you know. What you can put that down to, I don't know. Whether it's just a cool cookie 
or whether he really is that high level that he knows that, you know, if something is going to slip through, he ain't going to let nothing else slip through if he can hold his nerve. And who knows? But you just don't see calmness at, at, at this level time and time again against that kind of barrage. Um, but that said, you, I think Dominic won that first round because of the amount of work rate that he put in. Um, Jones knows he's in there for the five rounds. He's been there before time and time again. And I think that's why he never bothered fighting, you know, horn for horn. That's why I think yeah. he was happy to let the round go and just come out of it unscathed. Um, yeah, he, know, he knows his five-round fight. He knows what he's capable of. And I just felt like yeah. it got to a point where he was just going to make sure that he didn't eat anything too significant in terms of, like, fight ending. Yeah. Um, I mean, could you imagine if Jones tried to meet force to force? I mean, yeah, you know, that, that could have been different because Dominic was throwing with really hard shots and, you know, he matches him in terms of height and, and, and what have you. So this guy was going to, you know, if he's going to plant him, he was going to plant him good if they traded. But he wasn't willing to play the trade. He was willing to play patient. And that part impressed me. Um, I kind of knew what was going through John Jones's mind. I, I, I you know, he's, I've been experienced where I've been facing people I know bust or not in the first round and sort of half smiling knowing their time yeah. is coming. I'm like, yeah, you carry on. You carry on. It's okay. I'm going to stay tight and I know I'm going to weather the storm. Are you going to be uh, as composed when I come at you when you're a bit tired? Um, but nevertheless, you know, uh, the leg kicks as well, might I add, was a really good strategy as well from Dominic. Um, I think firing off at Jones's legs was stopping Jones firing off at his leg that we've seen. Yeah. He really likes to stamp down on that lead knee. Um, so yeah, definitely took away from you know Jones's main thing that sort of stops you in your track and then he picks you apart from thereafter. He managed to get inside Jones's game um, time and time again, but to do so meant a lot of energy. Um, and the thing is, getting in on Jones's going, game and doing that kind of energy when you're on the outside, you have to keep backpedaling, um, which we did see. But that's hard. That ain't easy. Running backwards no. and left and right. When the other car person is just taking short steps forward, you know the, the guy dominating the cage will always be more efficient, and, and you know that began as the round slowly transitioned through. You started to see how Jones's steadier footwork started to uh, um, started to show in terms of the different cardios. I mean, they're both probably just as fit as each other, but the fact that Jones was being more efficient with his footwork. Uh, began to show through and we noticed the pace gently taper off in the second round. Still a really fast-paced um, fight. Dominic coming out, throwing calf kicks. Um, but Jones was really checking a lot of the kicks, did you notice? Um, yeah, he was, so, uh, wasn't taking anything um, yeah. too significant in terms of damage, certainly mm. at this point. But I felt like when I, as, as I was watching it, I felt as if I felt as if Jones was expecting this kind of barrage from, from Reyes early on in yeah, the first yeah. two rounds. I feel mm -hmm. like he was expecting it, which would you know probably helps him to remain calm if he's expecting it. But to yeah. just to take the amount of because it was constant, you know, for, yeah. for for the first round and most of the second round as well. I felt like yeah, Reyes yeah. really really pushed the pace. Really, yeah. Well, he, tried he to get that. He landed a, a calf kick, then he landed a body kick, which was you know right on Jones's ribs. Um, yeah, 
then they had the real hand exchange where they both went at it a little bit. I mean, it's the only time I saw Jones trading a little bit. Um, you know, but no one really was over dominant there. Um, then Jones started landing some nice inside leg kicks of his own. Um, and we started seeing Jones succeed more with his own leg kicks, didn't we? Um, mm. and yeah, I he thought started that to come forward be... a bit more then, didn't he, in the yeah. second round? Yeah, he started coming forward where he's actually throwing. Um, uh, then Dominic lands an uppercut. Uh, the uppercuts look real dangerous. But again, everything just was not quite landing crisp enough to be hugely consequential. No, no, I know. Jones just... just off. I, and just and off. I do put it down to the fact that he's just that good. I really do. I just think he's that good and he, he manages his range extremely well. Um, very aware at all times. Um, of course, when someone's coming at you like Dominic does, something's going to get through somewhere down the line. But his distant management was that good that nothing really like it, it hit him right on the button sort of thing. Um, yeah. So only have a few times that I see Jones look even the slightest bit uncomfortable. And when he was, it was literally for a second or two and straight back to composure, straight back to pressing uh, Dominic down. Um, yeah. And that, that was pretty much how we, I saw the, the second round. Um, second but, round to Reyes as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say yeah, Rias um, won that one as well. Um, round three, I think this, uh, yeah, this is probably the one where you, you decide, you know, who, who won that round. It, it was yeah. a real mixed bag. It's such a hard round to score. Um, you know, Jones come out landing inside low really well at the beginning. Um, then Dominic landed a, a, a left high kick um, and then a, a body kick. Another one. Um, then Jones landed a really good right hand. Uh, then Dominic lands an uppercut again. So this is a real two and throw. They were both having their successes in the third round. Joe, do you give it to Jones for the fact that he was the one always walking Dominic down? Uh, or, or do you go in favour of the person who threw more out there and possibly landed more? Um, I do think Dominic perhaps his work rate was a little higher still in round three and maybe he landed a little bit more, but Jones was shutting him down, making him look uncomfortable so much more. Um, very, very difficult round to score. Um, who did you have for, for, for round three? I, um, I really struggled with it because I felt like Jones was pushing forward and mm. putting more pressure on Reyes. And like you, you used the perfect phrase, he was making him very uncomfortable yeah, but obviously Reyes threw more strikes. Um, I can see why the judges gave it to Jones. Yeah, because I was I mean an R in and I said, mm. but I think I probably probably would have edged Reyes in it. Probably. Yeah. Okay. But I think but the I, reason I'm why not that... like outraged by the yeah, fact yeah. that. John Jones won that round. I think they went for Jones in this round um, for the simple fact that he's being more diverse, um, that he started mixing the takedowns in. Um, he, he got really in deep, didn't he, but, uh, mm. on the legs and, and then went up to the hips. Although not, not, not hugely successful in terms of getting him down, keeping him down, the fact that you know he was making Dominic having to defend. Yeah, you, you know, I think they momently did go to the ground, didn't they, momentarily? Yeah, only briefly. Yeah, briefly. But um, I think the fact that he was trying to change the direction of the fight 
um, and and throw more MMA at at Dominic. Yeah. Um, not not just trading backwards and forth. Although Dominic perhaps threw and landed a little bit more. There was those takedown attempts and the footwork that that was becoming more and more apparent. Dominic was running away. <laughs> I don't want to say running away. It's probably not the word. Trying to stay moving, elusive. Moving away, yeah. More and more yeah. and more. And he was looking more and more tired doing it. He's looking more ruffled. Um, he's looking more vulnerable. And then he was having to deal with the takedowns as well. And I think that's possibly why. And, you know, maybe rightly so. Um, you know, I'd still be inclined to maybe give it to Dominic for the fact that he was working so hard and, you know, landing a little bit more. But do we, as MMAs, really judge just on what lands and what don't yeah you know, we do have to take into account the footwork we do have to take down um, the you know put into account the takedown attempts even if they're not fully successful they still made dominic um, have to defend against the fence he was still on the receiving end of those attacks um yeah so just a little bit different from how you know how we was talking about then um uh, Derek Lewis and Latifi. Latifi got successful with the takedowns, but just didn't do a lot with them. Um, although Jones couldn't get any work off, he did get him down. He he did have him against the fence, and he, he was making Dominic have to play defensive. Um, so he was either against the fence, footwork in zigzagging left or right, or he's against the fence because he's getting put up there with, with the takedown attempts. I think that may be why the judges give um, Jones the third round. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much sums up, you know, how I saw that that third round, and then going into four and five. I mean, this is uncharted territory for Dominic, and again, still fairly close round. Um, just Dominic was looking less effective. Um, he come out, you know, um, you know, he come straight out to strike. He started every round fast, didn't he? He started that fourth round the same, um, but Jones went in with those takedowns again. Um, and I think this just took that extra bit of gas out of uh, Dominic and was a, a perfect game plan. Um, it really was. Um, yeah, I, I just felt that, that you know, we began to see that tide turn. Um, and I felt like, you know, is Dominic going to get to the end of the five five minutes? You know, is yeah. he, after five rounds, is he going to fade so much so that Jones puts the clinic and finish like he's done so many of his opponents? Um, but he kept to his word about lucivity. He kept zigzagging left and right. And um, he, he kept on always finding a way back to his feet with those momentary takedowns. Um, and uh, always through enough to, to keep Jones at bay, um, you know, finding his range and finding that, that knockout blow that he so often does. Um, and that pretty much summed up the fourth round. Um, but as we went into the fifth, I think you'd have to agree that um, it was a case of just trying to get to the end of the fight for Dominic. Yeah. Um, and it was Jones looking to put it away to, you know, concretely win the match. I think Jones thought he was winning. Um, but, you know, just like anyone should, when it's a little close, you should try and put it away. And he was hunting for the finish in that last round. Yeah. And still looked fresh. <laughs> he still looked fresh. Yeah. John Jones is. Um... He's just incredible to to have two rounds like he did in the championship fight, the first mm. two rounds, to then come and have three rounds like that, and yeah. in the last round look so fresh, so aggressive, mm. and just that to me kind of encapsulates everything about why yeah. a lot of people think he's the greatest ever because yeah 
those first two rounds would have finished, particularly the first round, a lot of fighters would have struggled to get through that round. John yeah, Jones yeah. never never looked like he was going to be finished. He mm. never looked in trouble from that that side of it. Reyes yeah. was impressive, and he's definitely you know boosted his stock. Yeah, but John Jones is just a machine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just gets better yeah, as the fight goes on. He's you know he's put himself on the map as one of the best out there with that performance. Jones has looked so dominant over everyone that he's faced. Um, and and that that was just an incredible performance, an incredible fight on both parties. Um, you know, it just makes me even more impressed with Jones. Okay, Jones has had a few, you know, hiccups in his private life, and you know, it spilled over into his fight career. But you know, they seem you now long gone, and um, you know, he's he's just doing such great work, um, and and still shining through. It's still relatively dominant. Um, people are beginning to make his dominant style less effective, like we saw. Um, you know, people are trying to find a way around him, um, and maybe they're getting a good bit, little bit closer to perhaps figuring him out. Uh, but it's going to take Sorry. someone special. Do you think that comes with um, MMA evolving generally as well? Is you know the way MMA's evolved over the years mm. means that nearly every fighter at the in these top companies is you know is decent striking, decent grappling, decent jujitsu, de- decent mm. wrestling, and everything. So maybe the the fighters that he was fighting early in his career weren't as capable at everything um, as the fighters he's fighting now. Slightly, I don't think it's all down to that. I think that's certainly no. part of the equation. But you remember, Jones has been around for a long, long time now. Yeah. Um, he has been evolving steadily. He has been improving steadily. Um, but nevertheless, uh, the style that he has is no longer a secret. So people are able to train for the things that he's been seen to do year in, year out. Um, and like I say, people begin to fathom, you know, his game out, his style out a yeah. little bit and making him not as dominant anymore. Um, so um, Johnny asks, uh, just because you're saying about style and um, mm. the someone with a very similar style is Israel, mm. Israel Adesanya. Uh, yeah. And Johnny asked, who would you think would win out of the fight between the two and why? Uh, I think Jones would would win this one. Um, I just Ooh, think interesting. Yeah, I, I do. Um, for the fact that I think you know he could choose to put it to the ground, and I really think he he could get it there. Um, not when he chose, but I just think uh, Alessandro he's just not tested there, is he? He's no, we haven't really... seen enough of him to. No, no. and. No. Um, I just think he just hasn't faced the type of person who can put him there um, and, and yeah. get him to that situation safely. Jones is a, a proper capable striker, as we've seen, um, where he, you know, he get in closer and get the takedown. I just think he's a, you know, a superior wrestler. He's the one that could steer the fight in a particular direction when push comes to shove. Um, he's got more potential strategy in his favour, which is why I would go for him for the win. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think no, I do, but I think I also think that I could see them having a bloody like a trilogy fight. 
and it being right. very close and going like Jones will win the first one, Adesanya will win the second one. Yeah. And then you have like the rubber match. I can I can just see that happening because yeah. they're so both so talented. Um yeah. you know, Jones is getting older, we know that. But yeah, doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing. Um, no. Gaz asks, is John Jones the greatest of all time? If not, who and why? Oh. Um Ooh. Um I, I don't I wouldn't say he's the greatest of all time. Um, um if you know I, I get asked this a little bit, you know, I say a little bit quite often when we're just talking as a general group after training and stuff. And yeah. I still say one of the ones that have impressed me the most is GSP. Um yeah. I just think you know he managed to outstrike better strikers. Um, because of the format of MMA, he's out wrestled better potential wrestlers uh, because of the style of MMA, and um, and he's out maneuvered better jiu-jitsu guys because the fact that his ground that's MMA, um, he really uh, he really embraced the potential strategic aspects in every area to fight against someone that was potentially better than him in any given area. So he outstruck the striker for the fact that he could throw and then shoot and not give a chance of a counter strike. Um, and with the wrestler, he would break their form in terms of their posture, get them standing up tall to get access to their hips and legs to bowl them over. You know, if you, you know, GSP, it, it wasn't as good as, uh, say, Kajek. Am I saying his name right? I'm terrible with the names. No, sure. Um, you know, he would have been a more decorated wrestler, right? Um, but yeah. if you're going to have GSP start with a body clinch or in a double leg position and say go, you're going to put your money on on GSP. GSP found a way to 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 get uh, Koscheck up upright so tall that he got access to the legs and hips and bowled him over. He just kept taking him down. Um, to me, GSP was the uh, the guy who could innovate ways to, to, to beat people in their own areas using the fact yeah. that MMA was an evolving sport in its own right. Um, yeah, he took the strategies to new levels for me. Yeah, I think um, from a fight, like IQ point of view, there's no one as good as GSP. Yeah. Um, I still, I don't know, I think they're both They've both got an argument to be considered the greatest of all time. Um, yeah, yeah. And obviously, when you go like sort of out of the cage and the way they conduct themselves, mm -hmm. GSP will always edge it because he was a gentleman and he was never in any trouble. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, from that aspect, I, I, but I think from a purely point, purely fighting point of view. Yeah, I, I think another point that you know could be add, you know, not to take anything away from Jones, but you know, the pool of the level and, and, and the regular up-and-comers in GSP's weight division was more, you know, he had more of a talented pool to deal with. Mm. Um, yeah, um, yeah, so, you know, there was always someone up-and-coming. There was always, uh, you know, someone looking incredible because of their wrestling, incredible because they're striking, incredible because of their jiu-jitsu, incredible because they're just you know, tough guys. And he found ways around every one of them. Um, 
time and time again. Yes, he did. And um, so that's why I would edge it. I just think the climate of the division that he was in was more competitive potentially, and he still shone through uh, dominant. Good answer, and I tend yeah. tend to agree. But I do think those two stand out as the the kind of guys yeah. who are better than anyone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that they're incredible uh, athletes and. You know, you could mention others as well. Um, we have seen some incredible fighters over the years. Um, and to pick one over the other is really quite difficult. We'll all have our preferences of what we appreciate about a fighter given over another one. Um, you know, I've got to ask my opinion. Um, that was, you know, mine really impressed me with the way he deciphered um, styles. Um, and he really impressed me with the fact that his division was always stacked with talent. And um, every time he thought he was fighting, you know, people, you, 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 you initially look at it and be like, you know, who is going to win? And he always, you know, at times made it look easy. Um, always, you know, not always to say Jones out too, yes. But, um, yeah, I just don't think the pool is quite as stacked in those weight divisions. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, guys, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Be sure to check out uh, the BST Academy, which is bstacademy.co.uk. Uh, check out our friends Away Day Apparel at uh, awaydayapparel.co.uk. And uh, don't forget to use the code to get 10% off. You can also check out our weekly Andy Campbell show, which is our football show. It's every Monday live, 7 p.m. Uh, on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation, and Facebook Live, which is facebook.com slash Ace Cast Nation. Join us in the live chat on both or one or the other. Say hello, get involved. It's always a really fun show because it's just lots of madness as people are talking to us as we're covering the football. And um, yeah, I think when we finished last week, we had, as, as I pressed, uh, the end of the show I think we'd had about 1,100 people watching which was really cool so uh, join us check out our other shows we've got new series My my Story with England fast bowler Chris Lewis we've just released another unscripted uncensored with, uncensored with uh, Modestus UFC's newest sign in and uh, yeah check them all out shows for everyone on everything Danny thank you for joining me my friend uh, thank you again, Sai, for another another great weekend's chatting about MMA, my favourite subject. <laughs> Absolutely. Always a pleasure, mate. Uh, guys, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.